Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morset and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Morning, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm great. We're actually back to Mondays. Which I was going to say, it's actually like happy Monday. This is the first time in a while that we've actually recorded on Monday. So I love it. You'll hear the, um, you know, the leaf blowers outside of my window again. I'm sure that our listeners have missed that, the, yeah. the dulcet sound of yeah. leaf blowers. They've never mentioned, so I'm not sure. Maybe your, your sound system is better than you think. There you go, perhaps. <laughs> so what well, are we up to today? To yeah. Yeah, today I wanted to talk about... Um, using consultants because, you know, co-housers tend to be kind of DIY type people. They tend to be the people who are willing to do something, you know, that is different. They're willing to put in effort to do it. Just kind of, you know, in general, broad statement, co-housers are DIYers. Mm. But the interesting thing to me has been that as we are part of a forming community, that really is different than when you're part of an established community because you're in this precarious position. You've mm. got a community, it's coming together. Time is of the essence. If you spend a ton of time or you mismanage your resources, that can kill the entire project. And so there's really has to be a focus on how can we do things efficiently and well um, in order to keep the project moving along so that we can get to move in. Mm -hmm. So professionals have been really important to us in order to you know, keep us moving along and to keep us uh, on the right track. So I thought we should talk a little bit about what that kind of relationship looks like or for people who are trying to form a community, how do they even find them? You know, all of that stuff. Let's delve a little bit into it. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's great, Kelly, because, you know, I'm shocked at how many people I have conversations with who call us from other forming communities yeah. and they ask me all these questions and I'll go, well, who are you getting to do this and that and the other? Well, we're doing it ourselves. So, yeah. so if you think about it, we kind of break it down into three areas. And the first area is around organizing yourselves and organizing how you're going to get going. So there's two main roles in there. And one is a very unique role that most people probably don't even know exists on the planet. Mm -hmm. And that is something called the co-housing consultant. And there are indeed a few, not many, but we're lucky that we're living in a time where we have one of the supreme experts in this, Katie McCammett. And then the other area is developer. And there are in fact also now developers who are specializing in co-housing. And they offer the kinds of relationships and the kinds of experience that most people could not come to a co-housing project with. So relationships with bankers for big development projects, for lawyers, permitting experience, general contractor experience um, at, on a larger scale than many of us may have experienced in our personal lives. So that's kind of the first area, organizing ourselves. Yeah, that's funny, Lynn, because usually developers get a bad reputation, yet actually it's their reputation that that makes the project <laughs> easier because you need them to attract these other, you know, these other elements that you're going to have to get into place and it might be hard to do on your own. Exactly. Another area that I think about is um, like the, the building of the physical building, you know, mm. you should 
probably have an architect. Yeah, you yeah. have, you know, the people who are um, both, you know, know what they're doing and how to do it, but also how to do it well. So mm. the interesting thing I think too, is that there are architecture firms that specialize in co-housing. So mm. they've put a lot of thought and time into how to build to support relationships. And so I think finding the right architect um, is really important. The other kind of physical uh, building help is uh, like landscape design, putting mm -hmm. some real thought into that. So that then when you switch over to the DIY mode, you have kind of everything in place that then your community is able to support. Yeah, well, speaking of community, I think the third leg on this stool of professionals is the community help. So we talk a lot about physical architecture versus social architecture. And um, so there's there's a there's a piece of the community help that has to do with recruiting or attracting people. So that's the marketing. Mm -hmm. And in today's world, that is, of course, very highly leveraged on technology. So you've got to be able to balance all of those things in terms of marketing expertise, um, Internet expertise, technical expertise. And then also just managing the team. So once you get people in the door, then you've got to know how to manage the, the meetings that you're going to have. And they're not just all meetings uh, about architecture. They are things about how are we going to design this group socially. So you need somebody who's got some extensive experience in community facilitation, process strategy. And again, the process has kind of two levels. It's, some of it's very... Um, feels more technical in nature, like HOA documents, or how are we going to uh, organize ourselves around the design uh, consensus, but then other parts are things like, um, you know, conflict resolution. So there's lots of different areas that no single person usually shows up at a co-housing project with that kind of background. Well, the other thing I've thought about, Tulin, is even if somebody does show up with that kind of background, they might not want to be that person yeah. in the at that time, you know, if, if you're the person who has extensive meeting facilitation experience, sometimes you just want to be the community member, not the person running the meeting. Or if you're the architect who has a ton of architecture experience, but sometimes you just want to be a community member and just put your two cents in for how mm -hmm. you want to see the community. So there's yeah. also kind of hiring people out, bringing people in who are able to um, fulfill that role of facilitating things for you. When exactly. everybody in your community wants to just be a community member. Well, and if you're going to go there, I'm going to add on to that another area. And that is that even if you do have the expertise, sometimes because you're not recognized in a kind of a public way as being that expert, mm -hmm. your community sometimes doesn't go for your expertise. So it's sometimes better to have an outsider come in and, you know, it's, it's like, I don't ever get my kids to advise, I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I can't advise my kids on some things, but my brothers can say the exact same thing and they totally go for it. So yep. it's that same kind of a phenomenon. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I thought she would be interesting, you know, so now you kind of know the lay of the land, like the things, the three things, three areas that mm -hmm. most consultants kind of fall under, um, and that we've found to be useful, you know, just the, the broad umbrella organizing, the physical building help, and then also building the community. 
But then, you know, you may be wondering, well, why are these important or what criteria am I going to use to decide, oh, I need to bring somebody in or I don't need somebody in or, you know, why, why is this important? What has been the value of these different people? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that one of the things that you just brought up was that most people don't come into co-housing with an expertise in all of these areas, you know, like not everybody can build a website and build a building and knows banks that are willing to lend us money. You know, right. That was very rare. So that's one of them. What are some yeah. other things that you've so, seen? So the, I think the other thing is it simply it saves time and time is money. And we, um, and also time can also erode goodwill. So if it's protracted and uh, there's a lot of bumps in the road, then you start to lose momentum and energy, you know? Yes. I think that's a big one. The other one that I recognize a lot is not only does it bring goodwill and kind of save time and money, but also it brings legitimacy to mm. it. So like when you're sitting down with bankers, you may be able to eventually bring them around to co-housing is a great idea. And this is why, but if you walk in with somebody who they have a prior relationship with, who knows that their prior projects have all, you know, right. made and been a good investment you're coming in with a level of legitimacy that you just wouldn't have otherwise. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's super valuable. Yeah. I think the, the last sort of like why rock around, why is this important uh, would be that I'd want to highlight is that having consultants are a great marketing tool because they, most of them also have so, social media. So they lend credibility. And when people are looking at your project, especially especially in like the, the area that we live in, the geography that we live in, in Texas, we are the first, as we say every week in the intro to our uh, podcast. You didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it lends legitimacy also in uh, a broader community, uh, per, you know, environment. So in the broader city of Houston and the state of Texas, to know that you're using these people that have... If, if I just think about our architect who has a great reputation in Houston, our local architect, you know, if you say you're working with Kathleen English or you talk about the landscape architect, people go, oh, wow, yeah. she did that. She did that. So it, it's, it makes it seem like it's a project with real gravitas that they would lend their professional experience. Of course, they're being paid for this. This is not volunteer work, but still it gives us kind of a, it gives us another leg up, you know? Yeah. They were willing to take on this project. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, another kind of smaller element of that also is this providing of um, content that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're first starting out, you don't have a ton of like assets, you know, you don't have a bunch written about housing, you don't have right. all of the presentations, you know, like you need to do presentations so that people understand what housing is and want to join your co-housing project. And if you are just starting out, it would just be a picture of you. You know, like that would be it. So <laughs> it's really valuable to me. It's been really valuable for us to, to have access to these professionals who then can give me, you know, content, examples, mm-hmm. things, stuff, you know, it really, it makes your marketing a lot easier. Right. Do that. So um, what I wanted to talk about too, Lynn, is um, how you first started out because my uh, tenure at Co-Housing Houston um, I came along after you guys already had a bunch of these relationships. So I was hoping that you could maybe take on, how do you, if you're forming community, how do yeah. you go? Well, for, for us, I mean, so the 
Kip and I, my husband and I, and Tom and Kathy, who were founding members, you know, Tom was really big on, he had, he had stumbled across all these books by somebody called Katie McCammett, and then her husband at the time, Chuck Durrett, and he was really big on these books, and he then went to a co-housing, national co-housing conference, and he met them, and he suggested way back when at the very, very beginning, because he's really big on using professionals. Mm -hmm. And he said, we just need to get her to come to Houston and mm -hmm. do a big talk. So he, he, he managed to persuade us all to do that. And I'm very much of a DIYer, not in terms of fixing my house. I wouldn't be a dream of touching anything, but I am a big DIY in terms of organizational capacity because of my background. That's what I did yeah. professionally. So I think I can organize any kind of thing, you know, especially if there's technology involved. So it was really good that he kind of got us over that hump. And then at the end of that event, he said, we got to hire her like ongoing. So then we set up a contract with her. And that really then opened up a whole new world to us. So that opened up us getting involved in cohousing.org conferences as well. Mm -hmm. Their website is a vast repository of resources, which then led us to the marketing consultant and led us to the co-housing architect. So how are they related, Lynn? Like, how are they related to Katie? Is that through the 500 communities? Yes. Thank okay. you for highlighting that. So they are all, they have been uh, involved in this uh, professional training program. It's a year-long in-depth professional training program that Katie McCammett runs over a 12-month, kind of 12-module kind of, uh, experience. And mm -hmm. then they then live on beyond that experience in a network that meets periodically so that they can stay connected, share best practices, and uh, chew on you know, upcoming issues that are happening. Yeah. Like how are they managing COVID shutdown? How you do architecture design? So being connected into that 500s community then, you know, and actually our developers plugged into that, that then gives us access to, um, you know, new, new resources as things occur. So we needed a new and different kind of facilitator here recently. So our developer said, hey, I've met this woman through the 500 communities. Let's bring her on, Sarah Arthur. She, so then she slotted right in and because he knew her well enough, it just fit, you know, it yeah. fit right for our purposes. We weren't having to explain to her what co-housing is. And I think that is a thing that you'd want to highlight about the 500 communities group is they get it about co-housing. You don't yeah. have to, I would love to see some bankers join that group actually, because yeah. then you don't have to explain. Well, it does sound kind of like a one-stop shop. Like yeah. there's more, there are marketing people, there's meeting facilitation, there are developers, there are architects. Exactly. Everybody is, is loosely organized under this. Okay. That makes sense. What about yeah. having somebody local? Yeah. I mean, I, we have found that, um, you know, having a local architect especially is kind of, it has been life-saving here in Houston, I think. And in fact, I'll give you an anecdote that I haven't even mentioned to you because it happened yesterday. We ran into a city councilman at large who is an architect and he is very interested in our project. And he asked us how it was going with the permitting process. And my husband said, oh, it's going great. And he was just like stunned into silence. <laughs> He's like, what? It's going great. How is that possible? And you know what my answer is, is because of our architect. Our architect knows how to work in our environment, has many decades experience working with the city of Houston, the, 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 the permitting office there. And she knows she's anticipating problems. 
Yeah. It's so interesting to me when she says like, you know, I, th- we're doing this because we're going to head off that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So one other thing that I've experienced in our group is that, um, we also reach out to other communities, you know, mm-hmm. other communities, especially other forming communities are going through the same thing at about the same time. And so they're a good, good resource, but sometimes they're bad resource. <laughs> it just depends. Yeah. Like, Sometimes they're a great resource if they if their needs kind of hit our needs in the same way. But then every once in a while, you know, an established community, you know, people have a different opinion or a different viewpoint once they've been living there for, you know, a, a long period of time. Right. It could help us head off things, but sometimes it doesn't give us exactly what we need at that at that moment. So um, it's been interesting to me to be involved in the, there's a listserv for cohousing.org. And that list serve has kind of a good mix of people who are informing communities mm-hmm. who can say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. What I mean is this, because remember person who's been living in housing for 30 years, like remember when you needed that thing? Um, that's helpful. But then you also get kind of a longer, you know, a longevity. Yeah. Um, well, you can see the impact of some decisions, right? So they can yeah. say, well, we thought this at the beginning, but you know what that reminds me of again? <laughs> It reminds me, so we have kids at going to the same high school, but 10 years apart. So yeah. sometimes I'll make a comment about the high school, which is completely irrelevant in today's world. <laughs> so, you know, my time has passed in that area. Yeah. And then you might ask Sandra, who's got the experience 20 years ago. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yet you also give me very good information. So sometimes the longevity is really balanced. Yeah, it's a balance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe we should talk at just um, as we kind of think about the tail end of our, our talk here today about just some tips. So we, you know, we told you like the, the main areas, the three legs of the stool. We told you, um, you know, how you go about finding them, why it's important. Let's give you some tips as we, yeah. as we go through. I bet you have some good ones, Lynn, given that your project management experience. Well, for me, big thing in a big corporate world is an RFP. So you have to have a request for proposal process. So be very clear on what your objectives are and think about uh, setting that up and sending that out to several people. Even though you think you might know who you want, it's a really good idea to send it out to more than one group. That's kind of a, a kind of a golden rule, I think, when you're hiring expensive professional services. And then make sure that you're, um, you know, have a small group who's working that, who then keeps coming back to the community because you can't have, you know, 20 or however many households you have at that time working on all the details of it. And clarify your approval, i.e. consensus process before you start so that you, everybody understands this is how we're going to make the decision and at what points the broader community is going to be involved in. And, you know, some of this will start already in the RFP process, but be careful about drawing boundaries and really understanding what the community role is versus the professional role. And then within the community, what is the role of the small group who's going to be the interface to the professional versus the broader community? So you've kind of got three layers there that you're dealing with. And it's a really good idea to think about that in quite a bit of detail before you get going. Yeah, because I would say that one of the things we've experienced is, you know, there is a difference between um, working so that we, you know, get just do it for us versus really teach us how to do it. 
And so, you know, that relationship between what we think we want and what we think we need to know versus what this professional wants to tell us. And then how do we pick up those pieces, put them together, and then be able to do it ourselves going forward, and particularly like in the realms of marketing and in the realms of process. I feel like that's been an important thing to teach us to teach us to run, you know. I think I'm glad, really glad you highlighted that because I think some people in our community started out with the notion that, you know, if we hire Katie, like she's going to do this for us yeah. somehow. And she's not, she she's just, not. No. and, and it's, yeah. yeah, she's just going to like fly in every now and then and give you some advice, but then she's going to go away and let you do it, you know? Yep. So, um, and, yeah. and the other thing that's key that I would just want to highlight is, um, you know, in terms of the, the, this small group and their interface with the professionals, this is super important because that's where you protect your spend. These are green dollars out the door kind of spend, not just time of volunteers. When you start engaging lawyers at $500 an hour, um, you need to be very careful how you spend your time. And you don't want to have, and architects too, you know, you don't want to have everybody calling the architect and asking about their bathroom, you know, fixtures like that cannot happen or you will die. Well, and it's not only controlling the information flow between the professional and the community, but then also organizing the community in a way mm -hmm. that, you know, everybody can get on the same page about the bathroom tile mm -hmm. before the communication happens with the architect. Ideally, you know, you need to be able to have within your community and acknowledgement that you all have to come to terms with, you know, what is whatever the professional is helping you out on. Are there right. some best practices you can think of? I mean, we've got three such groups right now going in our, yeah. in our community. We have one that is called the design liaison team and they're the liaison with our architects. And then we have the CIT, the construction interface team who will be the interface between us and our developer and general contractor. And then we have this uh, HOA documents team and they're the interface um, just as it pertains to our legal documents between us and, and our lawyers. Um, mm -hmm. But so are there other best practices that you can think of that we've implemented with those groups that have helped them to work? Yeah, I think they have, um, they have organized around standing meetings. They've established a lead role within even the small groups so that there's a focal point that attends the weekly coordinating team. And that kind of serves as um, the, 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 sometimes you just need a single point. You can't be going to all people, even in a small team all the yeah. time. Um, you know, they have set up, um, organized uh, where they're storing all their documentation, depending on what their area of, of work is, like the design, we can go in and I can, and it's been great. I've had to go in there and I wanted to check on a design decision about where we going to have gas stoves in our units or not, or in the common house or not. And they've done such a great job of organizing that I knew exactly where to go. I just searched on gas stove and boom, I found it. Um, with all of that. So, so getting them like super organized so that community members can feel like they have a window into their work without having to be present at all of their work sessions, I think really in our communities help to build up trust and yeah. confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that I've noticed too about our community is that because we are um, the first co-housing community in Texas, yeah. um, we sometimes... <laughs> Feel like there's a misfire with uh, the broader co-housing um, co-housing group, mm -hmm. 
And I think that that probably doesn't just apply to us. It, you know, ours is a multi-generational community, but if you were say a seniors community or um, LGBTQ community, you know, it would be really important for you to be able to articulate to your professionals what makes your community the same or different from other co-housing communities. Um, because I think then it just, it makes the relationship more edifying for everyone when you're all on the same page. And, and the nice thing about co-housing professionals is that they acknowledge, you know, at least for us, that they've, nobody else has worked in Texas. So they don't really know, you know, right. what is you know, interesting to Texans or where, where the stumbling blocks going to be. Or mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, and I, and I would say not just geographical, but I think that our group is, you know, we do have a lot of people that are kind of come from a very professional kind of command control kind of environment, yeah. uh, thinking and working. And so when somebody comes in and says they want to lead out with, how do you feel about something? They're not going to go for that. You know, we have to kind of back them into that very gradually yeah. Because they're used to very kind of tight, very fact, technical driven uh, ways of working, especially right now when we're making big decisions around big money. You know, they don't want to talk about how they feel about it. That'll come later, we hope. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's already happening. You know, maybe it and uh, maybe this is like the best testament to it that it's happening under the radar so far that you yes. were even aware that it's happening. But I do feel like people are getting very good about expressing yeah. how their relationship with community. I mean, definitely people are, are concerned about the financial aspects of, you know, investing in a new community. Yeah. But I also feel like people have been very, you know, it just doesn't look maybe the same as it would look in a, you know, a, a hippie commune from the past, you know? Oh, just, def yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, organized hippie commune. <laughs> Exactly. We're not hippie commie. Let me just say that right out. We are like, yeah, it doesn't look or feel like that at all. But the connection and the relationship building part is definitely yes. um, is definitely happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so okay. One of my ulterior motives for us taking on this topic is that we have this pretty big decision coming up in our community mm -hmm. about our board structure. How would we like to organize ourselves legally in the HOA documents? And so we're gonna call on some of our professionals to talk about that. Um, and so we wanted to kind of set up this idea of how to use professionals, you know, uh, and, and why, um, in order to then better explain what we are doing as we work through uh, those decisions. So stay tuned on that. Yes, um, yes. I'm looking forward to that too. Are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am because it's a whole new thing. That's one of the things I love about co-housing is, okay, I have no idea about this next thing. I've never been involved in this. I hear a lot of stories about HOAs. So um, yeah, let's dive in and let's learn. Yeah. And um, I think what you've got teed up, Kelly, is that we're going to learn from a mix of people. You've got from people who are uh, experts, like long, deep experts, like Katie. We had, you have an interview scheduled with her. Yep. And we are also looking at trying to interview some um forming and long established communities on how they've set up the board. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to uh, share some of this in the public domain through our podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I want to say one last thing about consultants though, Lynn, because I think <laughs> this is, this is an, also an important point that they're there for a bit mm -hmm. and then they're gone. You know, they are important to your community, but they are not part of your community. And so the community relationships really need to be in place and working together really needs to happen. Communities make 
you know, definitely by by consultants helping things move along, but really communities get there by working together. They get there by forming relationships and being there together. That so is that's my like perfect parting thought. <laughs> perfect parting thought. Thank you for that, Kelly. And thanks for this topic today. And thanks to everybody in our listening group, which seems to be growing. This is great. Um, thank you for stopping by today. So glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.